0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Go Tech Please do Die podcast. Uh, this week we had on Chris Mykowski, who you may recognize from ESPN Plus broadcasts for both football and basketball and even the Conference USA tournament when I was in Ruston a couple of years back. We had a lot of fun talking with him. We talked to him for, I believe, over an hour, so we had to cut some of that back a little bit um, for the main show, but I figured that we'd go ahead, put this out here in full, the full interview uh, that we had with Chris Mikoski. So here you go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And you may have heard our voices quite a bit over the past few years, but you would also probably recognize our guest this week from his voice. Also, our guest this week
1: is Chris Mykoski. Uh, Chris, say hi. I thought maybe you would let me talk first and then people can guess. <laughs> like, what's, guess. That, what's the old game show where uh, people would guess based on the sound of somebody's voice? I don't remember the name, but yeah, good, to have you. good to be with you guys.
0: Yeah. You may recognize his voice from doing play by play of, of, Basketball and football games for for Louisiana Tech when it's on ESPN Plus, and I mean, you've called us several other things that aren't tech related too, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, my schedule was really busy this fall. I did, uh, in addition to the four Louisiana Tech games where I was actually on color for those. Lynn Rollins was in the play by play chair, but I did play by play for for uh, Stephen F. Austin home football games. Oh, uh, you called
2: it, that like 100 point or 99 point whatever it was game, right?
1: 98 to nothing over Warner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And were then you play, uh, And you
2: were play-by-play for that?
1: I was. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you have uh, a voice afterwards? <laughs> barely. <laughs> barely. Yeah. No, it was a bizarre night. Uh did a couple of Rice football games on color and then I did the full SMU volleyball schedule. Uh, for oh. espn plus and then uh just wrapped up doing three bowl games for bowl season radio as the sideline reporter which three so bowl games armed forces frisco and first responder so just nice. all so around just, the dfw
2: yeah the, the dallas tri- trifecta i guess right
1: last year i did those three and the independence which right. I, I thought i would be on again but they looked at the schedule and thought you know, Armed Forces is going to end about ten thirty, eleven, 11, and then Independence early afternoon the next day. So I'd be getting into Shreveport 2 a.m., and the turnaround just looked like it would be a little too tough. And now I am really thankful for that, considering <laughs> the weather that I was in for the Armed Forces Bowl. I would have had to turn around and do the same thing over again in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to be inside the next day.
2: Yeah. So I'm curious. You mentioned that you've done a lot of color commentary. And then some play-by-play, and now uh, some sideline reporting. What's the difference for you? You know, going into the game, is the preparation different? Is is the lead-up different at all? Or, you know, what's your mindset going into those three different types of of commentary?
1: I think for color analysis is probably the job where I have to do the most prep work. Simply because that job is usually something reserved for former players and coaches, and Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those things. So I have to make up for that with knowing as much as I can about the teams and the players, having a lot of conversations, doing a lot of research, and my insight – In that role is more towards being able to look back on those conversations and look back on everything I've read in the previous week, as opposed to picking up on the little intricacies of what's happening on the field necessarily, because, you know, I don't have those thousands of hours in the film room or on the game field like a player or coach would. I have to rely on different things. Um, Play by play, uh, I guess it's more drilling on names and numbers because you don't want to have to look down. I I make a what's called a spotter board for every game, and I don't want to have to look down at that very often. Um, So you try to drill in on those and have as many names and numbers in your head as possible. Uh, So I don't have to do that for color because you have time while the play-by-play guy is pointing out who's who to find that in your notes. Um, and then for sideline reporting, it's a lot more of the finding the interesting human interest type mm-hmm. stories. Um, you know what a sideline reporter does. I mean, it's more of just, you know, when somebody makes a touchdown, it's, uh, you know, the, something interesting about that person, their life, their preparation, or what the coach said about them. And it's, it's just a different kind of preparation for each, each of those three things.
2: It seems like some of those stories are are like pre-planned out, like they're going to jump down to you in the second Mm. quarter. And you're going to tell us about, you know, Smoke Harris's grandmother or something like that and how she always told him to work hard or whatever. Right. But then some of it you have to be prepared with multiple, you know, if Julian Lewis goes off for 200 yards, well, you better know something about him. Is that right? right? Or well, you can't
1: you can't necessarily have something on everybody just because there's not enough hours in the day but uh you try to have like I go into I went into these college games this past week. I also do the sideline reporting for the DFW game of the week on the CW affiliate here. Um so, you know, going into those high school games, I try to have five or six really good uh angles on each team. For those college games, it was probably more like 12 or 15. Um, so you can have those ready and most of them, um, well, majority of those stories end up not making air because the player who's, you know, you want to talk about ends up not doing anything significant, but you have to be ready for all those circumstances. And then past that, uh, what you're doing as a sideline reporter is trying to find stories that the people in the booth can't see so it's something about an interesting way that players are interacting on the sidelines it's obviously the injury updates is a huge deal camping out by that medical tent waiting for somebody to come out and see how they're reacting to why they went off the field um and you know hopefully you get a chance as a sideline reporter to interview uh, both coaches at halftime, and making sure those things are interesting. I think the the main thing that I preached as um, somebody who used to kind of um, guide sideline reporters in a previous job. I was I was somebody who kind of mentor the people in that position, and you just have to make sure the questions you ask are something that it's clear that you did your research. And you are very much dialed in to that opening half of football and in your post game interview, obviously the whole game. You don't want to ever ask a simple enough question to where I could have walked in off the street without seeing a second of that game, just looked up at the scoreboard and asked that question. Uh, so that's when I hear it when I hear a sideline reporter ask something, it's like I could have asked that and I didn't see a single second of that first half. It makes me cringe. Ooh. So, what, what type of question would that be? Give a bad uh, example, <laughs> yeah, <okay>. uh, <laughs> coach. You guys are are up by twenty one. What worked well? Okay, that, so that just something
2: something I would ask, right? Like- <laughs> Su- something super,
1: super generic, and you yeah. didn't. You obviously didn't. Have, you know the best and the best thing to do is to be able to look back at a part of your conversation you had with that coach earlier in the week, and we always do. Um, all of our on-air team, and in most times for for La Tech football this season, it was Lynn Rollins, myself, and Madison Kaufman. And we would have calls with both coaches, some weeks with coordinators as well. And to be able to look back, you know, on Thursday you told me that, um, you know, John Doe was – having a a great week in practice he was particularly dialed in and uh, i think we saw that here in the opening half in the way that he performed or just anything you can show to kind of you know make people know that you are actually having these conversations and that you're doing your your work to really know these teams well
0: yeah you, you said his name a second ago lynn rollins who you've done several games with uh, I, I know this past game against UTSA, he he had one of his trademark little sayings, <laughs> and you uh, you mentioned how you wish you wrote them down. Uh, what is it like working with with someone who is as storied as
1: he has been, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer? Um, so funny thing, the my very first live television game broadcast was, and I, I forget the year. But it was my first year at KTVE in Monroe, and uh, Cox Sports Television picked up the Northwestern State at ULM game. And uh, CST at the time, and this may still be the case, I have no idea, uh, did not reach cable viewers in Monroe. There was no way to get it. So our station, which was you know the NBC affiliate, we picked it up, we, they syndicated it to us. And as part of that, they wanted me to be part of the broadcast. so there's some KTVE personality to it. Um, so I was a sideline reporter that night. Lynn Rollins and Stan Humphreys were in the booth. So again, my very first television live broadcast we did together all the way back then, over 20 years ago, I guess now. And uh, and now Lynn is my most frequent partner on the broadcast. And, you know, he still cares a great deal about telling great stories. You know, he really drives those phone calls that we have with coaches and coordinators ask such great questions and helps us in preparation and you know then you get those little rollinsisms as as <laughs> I call them and it, it never he never fails it seems to at least unleash one of them and really it would have made a fun little uh book that they could have sold at the at Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame if somebody wouldn't been writing them down but uh I think the most frequent one I heard cuz I was really technically I guess his boss when he was calling games at the Southland Conference, and I was the associate commissioner in charge of broadcast the new media, so I would hire the talent. And every time we would go to do a game at McNeese, uh, I'll probably mess this up, but it was you know he, he'd well he'd start the broadcast by welcoming people into Lake Charles, a place where you can shoot duck in the morning, craps in the afternoon, and basketball at night. Uh, <laughs> so. He's great. He's great fun. And, you know, he, it's funny. He, he never has a short conversation. I don't think it's just with me. I think it's with everybody. He will talk your ear off. And, you know, anytime I pick up the phone and I see that Lynn's calling, I know I better clear out the next half hour.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so often, at least from what I've seen, when you've worked with him, it's usually him doing play by play and you on in the color role. And you've mentioned you've been in all three positions with the play by play the color commentary, and the sideline reporting. Which of those three do you think you enjoy the most?
1: I enjoy play-by-play the most. And, you know, when Lynn has a conflict, whether it be, uh, it's usually at LSU when he has a conflict. He also does some work for Auburn. Uh, he lives in Auburn now, makes the drive all the way over oh, to Russell. Man. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be close to his uh, grandkids over there. So, yeah, he. but most of his work is still in Louisiana, so he is a road warrior. Um, <laughs> but when he has a conflict with an SEC game, they'll move me over to the play-by-play chair, and uh, Teddy Allen will do the color with me. So I, I, I think my future is in play-by-play and I really enjoy it. Just kind of being able to be that lead on the broadcast and, you know, kind of figure out where the direction should go setting up the sideline reporter, setting up the color guy to make a great point kind of mm-hmm. just being the quarterback of the show. Uh, I really enjoy that. And I think it also helps me in my preparation because I can kind of outline the stories that I think we need to touch on. And I know I'm going to hit them. Whereas if I'm doing color, I can kind of ask Lynn all right, be sure to guide me into this coming out of the commercial break, but it may not be exactly where I want to go, that kind of thing. So uh, again, it's, I think that's probably long term uh, where I need to be as well, because, you know, I'm never and I've I've had this conversation with people who scout talent for ESPN in the linear sense, you know, hopefully being able to get up to do games for ESPN U and two and, you know, obviously the mothership someday. I'm never going to get those roles as a color analyst. Those are going right. to go. Those are going to go to former coaches and players. I just, you know, no matter how well I do, that's not my background. That's not who they hire for those jobs. Right.
0: Yeah. They really. They went hired Joe Buck to be the Monday Night Football guy for ESPN proper. They they could have taken you instead, I guess.
1: My wife, is, you know, I don't think she quite knows how hard it is to get to the top of this this business. But she asked me uh, not too long ago, like, do you think you're ever going to call a national championship? I was like, that's a far. Re- I mean, I, <laughs> I, I I did not. My career has been so fractured. I mean, I'm 44 years old and I still haven't cracked that linear uh, set yet. So, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing what I'm doing. Obviously want to keep rising in the business, but, uh, you know, I had, I haven't been concentrating on play-by-play for very long. So, um, you know, I'm happy to get where I can get and we'll, we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this seems like a good time to get into like your background. Like, how did you get into this? Why did oh, you want to do well, this?
3: Before you do that, uh, maybe and me, I've got your LinkedIn pulled up here for your education. <laughs> <laughs> and, doing uh, his research on the air.
1: Uh, just wanted. To, did you go to Mizzou? Started there, and um, I've talked about this publicly now, so I guess I I can get it out there. I flunked out after three years, uh, so I was spending way, way, way too much time at the student radio and TV stations, and not enough time studying or going to class. So, um, um, so you, yeah.
3: Well, we uh, I live in Kansas City. Okay. So I was. Uh, I was like, well, and then I also saw you were a bat boy for the
1: Rangers in the 90s. (laughs) That's my first LinkedIn entry, right? My my very first job. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, you can't get that particular job without some kind of connection. My grandfather was the original team doctor for the Rangers. So, yeah, from when they moved to town in 1972. Yeah. 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 So he was a family doctor in Arlington in 1972. And there really wasn't very much of anything there. And uh, he became the team physician and held on to that job until he retired. And, you know, had great relationships with everybody, including uh, Joe Maco, who was the clubhouse manager. And they were both day one employees. So you know, Be he cool. kept pushing, you know, whenever Chris turns 16, I know he'll want to do that. And yeah, that's the the ultimate dream job for for a kid who loves baseball.
3: And that's pretty cool. And then it, did you finish up at Southeastern in Hammond, Louisiana?
1: Right. So um, after about 10 years working, uh, decided to finally finish up and get that degree. And then 10 years after that, I got my master's. So see that um, from the
3: University of Cincy.
1: Yeah. And I'm starting next week. I will be an adjunct, adjunct professor. professor. Yeah. So that starts next week. So you go from college flunk out to adjunct professor, uh, in the course of 22 uh-huh. years. So, uh, I'd say I turned things around academically.
0: Yeah, I wasn't bad. expecting an inspirational story when we <laughs> sat down to, to do this. Yeah. Don't, don't let your dreams be dreams. Just
3: fun stuff.
0: Yeah. So, so was it the being a bat boy with the Texas Rangers turning that into the broadcasting career? Is that, or was, I guess it was probably more the student radio
1: while you were in Missouri. I started, I started making connections when I was a bat boy for sure. Um, you know, just kind of trying to meet every reporter and broadcaster I could because that's even then it's what I wanted to do. My, uh, my other grandfather was a sports writer. So, uh, Getting to do what he did. You know, he was kind of always my idol professionally, and my mom was a great writer as well. So uh I was focused more on that. It was when I was 16 or 17, and you know, the voice had fully dropped that somebody <laughs> uh, I was interning at the Fort Worth Star Telegram, and somebody there wanted to introduce me to a friend of his at uh, WBAP, which is the big news talk radio station in Dallas. And uh, <laughs> it was really from there where broadcasting kind of became my my dream. After that, before that, yeah, it was it was wanting to be a sports writer. That's really cool. So did someone tell you like,
2: oh, hey, your voice dropped and it sounds nice? Like you
1: should- <laughs> <laughs> it was it was something it was just something along the lines of with a voice like that, you need to meet my friend at the radio station. Okay, and uh, you know from there started uh, you know learning obviously as a high school student, and I was on the air. Uh, at WBAP doing reports on Ranger games and Cowboy games before I graduated from high school. So they they offered me a full-time job before I went off to Mizzou. And, you know, I had to think about, you know, do you stay here and, you know, get to cover the teams you love and you'll figure out school at some point, maybe go to UTA or whatever. And, um, you know, ultimately decided... That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. So I I considered it but ultimately just decided, you know, the lure of Mizzou and going to experience all they had, you know, was was too much. So, um, you know, came back.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> like that football team was, yeah. Well, yeah,
1: there you go. Uh, but I did come back those those connections and I I interned there again during college and then that Uh, Same station group. It was the ABC Disney uh, station group in Dallas launched an ESPN radio station in town, and uh, they offered me a job after um, about a year after I left Missouri. So I was a I started there three months after they launched. So all those you know connections and all that worked out very well. Getting to come back to Dallas again.
2: So how did you get into or what I guess what was your first foray into Louisiana Tech
1: athletics? Well, uh, from the ESPN radio station in Dallas, which I didn't really plan on leaving, my uh, best friend from college, James Adair, was the sports director at KTVE. And he had lost his weekend anchor. And he called me up and asked, you know, I doubt you really want to leave Dallas. I know you love it there. I know you love being close to family, but come over for a visit. Let's talk. Let's see if this might be something you would want to do. And, you know, at the time, I had never, other than driving through, I had never considered Ruston and Monroe, Louisiana, to be a future home. You know, why would I leave Major League Sports in Dallas to go, you know, to a market um, where there aren't any big-time teams? And um, (laughs) the – but I got there and realized – that for one, you would get to cover three Division One programs, which made it really a special place for somebody who was learning to be a, a broadcaster. Because you know, usually a, a market of the Monroe Rust size would not would be lucky to have one Division One program. So, kind of looked at that, and also kind of thought, you know, my long term dreams were in television in Dallas. And kind of after talking to some people who I valued their opinion, I realized I probably wasn't going to be able to rise from Dallas radio to Dallas television. I would have to go and pay my dues elsewhere, put a great tape together, and then maybe I'd be able to get back to Dallas. So all that to say, I turned from 99% not wanting to move to a week later deciding this is what I want to do, and I moved to Monroe and you know got to clear cover ULM La Tech, and Grambling on a daily basis um so that was my first exposure to it you know getting to come over and and cover uh, coach McNell and the football team at that point uh Ryan Motes was you know one of the first players i got to know when i when i first arrived in town and um you know they were incredibly open at tech and that's one of the first things i remember is that th- allowing TV reporters to be at practice the entire time. Whereas, you know, years later, when I took a job in Baton Rouge, you go down to LSU and you get to cover, you get to shoot five minutes of stretching and then they kick you out. So just that openness and the ability to, you know, talk to players and coaches whenever I wanted to. And, you know, they were they wanted to create great coverage and they knew access was a big part of that. And that was Malcolm Butler, you know, Mm. that was his vision and reason for allowing that kind of access. He knew that was the way to sell the program and get more eyeballs on it. You know, back then, you know, there wasn't social media in the way it is now, you know, there was not, there wasn't the way to get highlights off Twitter or Facebook. It was waiting for the six o'clock, and ten o'clock newscasts. So what we put out there was very important. He wanted to do everything he could to help tech go above ULM every night. You know, that was kind of the battle for us in that in the sports department, figuring out what the, the top story was every evening. And, and usually it was from tech, ULM, or Grambling. So if they didn't if we didn't get the access we did, it would probably would have been tech less often.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I guess you mentioned earlier, turning relationships into future opportunities. was it building those relationships with tech that allow you to get the phone ringing as often as it does from tech asking to cover some of their football and basketball games now?
1: Yeah, now I mean, it, the the funny way things turn around that yeah, these these the fact that Malcolm Butler is still there is incredible. And you know, there's there would be a lot of schools where, this many years later, I would probably turn around trying to call for potential freelance opportunities, and nobody would be there that I still know. Whereas when I started concentrating on the freelance world, Malcolm was still there. Um, it was also that I was uh, make when I was making calls. It was Wayne Gentry who was in charge of the produ- production for law tech at on ESPN three. And he was also doing uh, ULM games at the time, which he still does now. So when I, uh, ended my position at the Southland conference and started con- uh, concentrating on freelancing, uh, it was Wayne who put me on ULM games, put me on tech games. And now, now Wayne has moved on and is not working with tech anymore, but now it's uh, Jeff Watts productions who handled, uh, all the Southland conference productions when I was there. So that's, that's part of that. It's, it's my relationships with the folks at tech. It's my relationship with Jeff Watts. And, uh, I've, you know, I'm very fortunate that tech has basically allowed me to be on every broadcast that I've been available for, you know, since I started freelancing, because, you know, when, when Lynn's available, they put me in the color chair, they trust me in that position. Which, as I mentioned earlier, not being a former coach or player, they have every reason not to. But uh, you know, and then allowing me to do the play-by-play when Lynn's not available, uh, I think you know part of that is there's been validation from outside the university in that Lynn and I have won uh, the Louisiana Sports Writers Association Best Broadcast Team honor for two of the last three years. So there's some valid oh, wow. some validation there that. That we're pretty good at what we do.
2: Yeah. I mean, I really think that shows up too. And I I know that, you know, you're a guest on our show, so we're gonna be nice to you, but um (laughs) but you know, it it's like I was even watching an NFL broadcast today where they just weren't mentioning things and I was like looking to Twitter to try to find stuff out about like, hey, where'd the Saints like right guard go? Why isn't he on the field? And they never mentioned that on the broadcast and like Oh, here the, you know, here the Eagles are with seven sacks in the game. And they didn't think that was important to mention. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not the kind of stuff that I find myself wondering when I'm, when I'm watching y'all's broadcast. Like y'all are bringing information in that, you know, I want to know. I just didn't even know that I needed to ask. Right. If that makes sense.
1: No, I appreciate it. I mean, a lot of that, it starts with the tech sports information office. And, you know, that's where my preparation begins. Every week is looking through their materials mm. and then building on that. That's Kane McGuire, that.
2: right? For the most yeah. part,
1: Kane McGuire leading the way, and then uh, past that, obviously the conversations, as I mentioned, that uh, that I'll have with the coaches, those are invaluable, and you know lead to a lot more information and it expands on some of the stuff that Kane has started us with. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we try to do, you know, have all that relevant information available. And, you know, even if you, you know, you put it on your sheet, hoping that it is available and, and it is relevant on game day. Uh, some days it's not some days, you know, you think you have a good tidbit, but it never fits. And -hmm. that's just the nature of the business.
2: So when you're, when you're working, you know, obviously it's your job and you do all this preparation. Do you, Do you get lost in it at all in the moment sometimes? Are there moments that stand out to you that you've gotten to be a part of that you're like, wow, that, you know, like I imagine the the kick six, uh, whoever it was that called that for Auburn is like, that's, that's the highlight of their life, right? That they got to call that. I mean, how much of it is like balancing, okay, this is my job. I've got to relay information versus like, oh my God, like this amazing athletic play just happened. You know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you definitely have to to hold back and not go over the top, because if you do, if you do, you're going to eclipse the moment potentially, and you have to let what's happening on the field speak for itself in a lot of those instances. You don't imagine,
3: um, imagine me calling the kick six <laughs> and I'd be, oh, my. Well, first of all, the FCC fines would be as extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. I'm not there yeah. to edit all that out, Matt. Yeah, And I'm not going to do that, but uh yeah, I was, <laughs> that's a great question that Evan had though, is I uh, was kind of talking about getting caught up in the moment. I mean, you've never had to call games or anything where you're kind of like a, a Homer, the teams, that's something I've always wanted right. to ask someone in broadcasting. Like it, there's obviously your profession, you're a professional. You're not going to let that get in the way of you doing your job. But if I was in broadcasting, uh, for some reason I would get assigned to tech it'd be really hard not to be a homer for them I mean I hear it all the time in broadcasting I so I mean you don't you don't ever really have that problem though do you?
1: Well uh, for these ESPN plus broadcasts we are charged with being neutral and ah. you know I think you look on down the line and mm-hmm. you know you're watching some of these other ESPN plus productions and Ooh. some of these broadcasts will ignore that. Yeah. and definitely, yeah, definitely be yeah oh and goodness. and unfortunately one of the things that's gone by the wayside with recent ESPN layoffs is there's people who used to be really in charge of quality control and they would we it was the case when I was running things uh for a broadcast perspective at the Southland conference where we would have weekly calls and talk about all right this broadcast sounded a little bit too um, oh, wow. nickel centric or you know just to give an example My lord <laughs> but you know those uh you are as an espn plus on-air broadcaster you are supposed to give a neutral call you're not supposed to be a homer you're supposed to be right down the line and i know in some instances at least when i catch myself i think i'm sounding too pro tech but i i think that ends up happening largely because you know, I get to know these people. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, the coaches on the other side, sure, I've had a great conversation with them that week. But for tech, there's somebody that maybe I've known for two or three years. And, you know, I'm calling SMU volleyball for every single home game. And again, I'm supposed to be a neutral call, but I've gotten to know that entire coaching staff. I've gotten to know some of the players, and it's hard not to have that bias, I suppose, but you know, I kind of counter it by if somebody on the other team does something really explosive and wonderful, I try to sound just as excited for them, but you know, you'd have to ask, you know, the fans of Cincinnati or whoever, you know, if if I'm coming off as biased towards, towards SMU on those shows, but yeah, I, that's, that's one thing I've never done. I've never been the the voice of a team in a radio sense to where clearly you are the person who is going to be biased. If anybody's going to be, and they have every right to be because they're supposed to be relating strictly yeah. to the fans of that school. They are not concerned with the fan, with the neutral fans who may be tuning in or with the fans of the opposing school. They are strictly speaking to those fans. So, um, you know, I, I, if I ever do go into a role like that, I'm I'm sure I'll have to change my ways slightly, but as it is now, I try to come in equally prepared on both sides and I try to sound just as excited for both sides uh, when they do something well.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's really interesting because I would have never guessed that ESPN plus has a directive saying, you know, don't be (laughs) biased towards one of the schools. And I know Uh, We've we've given ESPN plus some crap on our podcast here because, you know, when we're watching these away broadcasts for like FIU or whatever, that's the worst one. And and they just hire, you know, first of all, like the quality of the broadcast is something I want to get your thoughts on, too. But like, you know, it seems like they're just sometimes hiring like the Malcolm Butler of that school to do the broadcast. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe maybe I'm not correct in that assumption. but. Sometimes it really does feel like, OK, we're playing basketball at ULL and they really just slapped some ULL color guy on the game. And it's like,
1: well, yeah,
2: you know, they just hate Louisiana Tech. And it's very clear from watching this broadcast <laughs> that they do not like our team or want to give any insight into our team. And so it's just it, it makes it a less enjoyable broadcast for, I think, neutral fans, but also for fans of the school that that's getting sort of the short end of the stick there.
1: The lack of preparation for the visiting team that is something that really ticks me off because even if you're going to sound like I said sometimes it's just inevitable because right. you're are you're around this team a lot and it's going to come out that you may favor one over the other, but at the very least you should be as well prepared for the opposition and I've I I've, I've been the same as you guys. I've watched games where I'll, I'll be listening and like something will happen with the tech player or, you know, with some of the other groups that I work with, I'm watching a Stephen F. Austin game or if I'm watching an SMU game and something that clearly would fit the situation that they could bring up. But it seems like in some of these cases, they are picking up a roster and that is about it. And Mm -hmm. that drives me crazy. Um, You know, but in a lot of these cases, yeah, it is somebody who a school, they're not going to go around and hire different broadcasters for each game. These are people who generally will see the same team every time when they're at home and in a lot of cases it's somebody who is based there who has a long history with the program. I mean, I'm, you know, very fortunate that they keep paying for the tech, will keep paying for me to be put up at the Hampton Inn there in Ruston because they could very well just get somebody who's local. And, you know, that's generally the case, I think, down the line in most other places where it's somebody who's based there and, um, you know, has a great understanding of the home program. But when you don't do the research for the other team, it's kind of inexcusable in in my in my sense, just because, you know, you I reach out to the visiting SID every single time and never has one of them declined my request to talk to their coach. You always have that opportunity. And why in the world would you not pursue that? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And
2: like I said, it it shows up in the end product too. Like I think as a fan of, you know, as a fan of Louisiana Tech, like obviously I want to hear things about my team, but really, I mean, what we try to do on our show too is like preview the other team so that our like fans of Louisiana Tech are kind of like, oh, okay, here's a player that I should like know something about right like, so it, it we helped. try to give that little uninformed like we're not calling the coaches we're not having in-depth conversations or doing that but i think what you do is taking it taking what we're trying to provide just like to the actual professional level right
3: well well, well when we do it, it it feels mostly like it makes the game more enjoyable for any of our listeners who might want to tune into the game to watch uh it does make it more enjoyable, I think. I mean, when you know something a little bit about the other team. Yeah,
0: and I, yeah. Lo-
1: I love coming up with those, you know, fun tidbits about about the teams coming in that we haven't seen yet. And I know most of the fans for Tech haven't seen yet. It's, it's what makes part of that fun. If I was seeing the same two teams over and over and over again, that would get awfully boring. So, you know, sometimes that's, you know, in a self-criticism. I feel like I'm saying more about the other team but then I kind of think about it as like well that's because I've already said all these things about the player for tech and you know that's it get repetitive in that sense and I don't I try to avoid that as much as possible while also remembering that like this past week there's folks turn tuning in who follow specifically UTSA, and they may not have heard this piece of information about Kobe Williams. And it's worth repeating because it's it's that interesting. And those fans from San Antonio might want to hear it. But that's um, you know, kind of that delicate balance. You don't want to repeat it too much, but you also want to remember that your audience, audience resets quite often. Right,
2: At least 50% of it if you're calling a tech game, right? Like, you know, those UTSA folks aren't going to turn in tune in this week when we play sure. rice. <laughs> sure. Um, but the rice folks didn't tune in last week. So right. um so
1: and I am doing ahead, I Nate. am doing the uh the rice game that's another uh group that thankfully hires me out pretty regularly is rice. I think I mentioned I did a couple of their football games this year. So sometimes it work out works out where I get tech on the road too. So I'll uh, I'll be there in Houston this week calling the game. Again, being hired by Rice, but being neutral down the line regardless. And all that tech preparation and knowledge will come in handy. It's
0: OK. We'll just pretend like you're really rooting for tech. And <laughs> so, so, Curiosity, are you allowed to make a prediction? Because usually when we have a guest on the show, we'll have them predict the game that we're talking about. No, but if no, you're, yeah, I, I was about to say, I don't think that broadcasters no. are usually allowed to make predictions. You,
1: you, and you see that at the end of college game day each yes, week. Yes, that, that's what uh, I thought of. Herb Street always opts yep. out when it's a game that he's he's going to call. So, oh, interesting. No, yeah. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't do that. But, yeah. um, you so know, could it, you just it, give
2: it, us some general, like, thoughts? I mean, you don't have to, like, we're we're going to pick scores and be wrong, but you don't sure. have to do that. <laughs> but just some general thoughts about, like, how this game might might play out
1: well i think the main thing is just dealing with Fiedler and his size i mean that's a you know 611 forward who clearly is incredibly uh, agile down there and and does a great does great work i mean kenny hunter is the only one from tech who can really measure up to him in that right. fashion so uh, i think that's going to p- cause a lot of problems for tech uh, you know but if if these guys can dial it in from from outside I mean, Rice might have a really hard time contending with if if Kobe has a hot hand. So, um, you know, in the end, I, I wouldn't give a prediction, but I would say, of course, you know, I would never say it's going to be lopsided because I want you to tune in. I mean, it's going to be a great, yeah. close, tight game all the way down to the final second where I deliver a brilliant call of the game winning shot. Becomes the defining moment of his career
3: until he calls yeah. the TCU Georgia National Championship game.
2: <laughs> That's yeah, how quickly they things move him up to, to <laughs> calling the College Football National know.
1: Championship game next week. I will be there for Bowl Season Radio filing reports. So if they want to take me off of that job and move me over to ESPN, all for it. But yeah, I get back. <laughs> um, I didn't know I was going to Los Angeles until a couple of days ago. And uh, so my flight. Unfortunately, I have to drive back from Houston to Dallas, and then get on a flight there to go to LA. So, um, maybe, yeah. I'm,
3: maybe I'm misunderstanding. Is the national championship at SoFi this year? Yes. And you're going to be—you'll be in the building for some other purpose other than broadcasting.
1: I will be there to file reports for Bowl Season Radio, the same group that I did the sideline reporting for on those three bowl games. Uh, sure. They syndicate out. Uh, reports to all their stations and satellite radio and also be doing some things for uh, Bull Season Radio's uh, social media accounts. But so does
3: that, you actually watching the game unfold then?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I can't, you know, by the terms of the credential, you, you know, can't obviously share live dissemination of it sure, all. But, sure, um But I'll be filing some things and, you know, doing some in post-game, uh, pre-game and post-game uh, things we can add to the social accounts and, that we'll send out to the stations, that's but a, yeah, it's pretty it'll, cool. be, it'll be fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, so you'll be like in the press box for the national championship game. Yes. Oh man. And so far, that's pretty awesome.
3: A, well then I, uh, I don't, I mean, this is totally off topic, which is my milieu of the podcast, but
1: I uh, c- can, can you predict that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't because I'm covering it, but uh, um, uh. you know, I think, you know, the fun, my So, one of the big gonna say, uh, things, I, I would have been going out there regardless, just as a fan, because my brothers are alums of these two schools. One oh went wow. to Georgia, and the other went to TCU, and the last time they played each other, we all three got together and had a road trip to Memphis to go watch them play in the Liberty Bowl. So, of course, when they both won... Uh, we decided we were going to do it regardless uh, for the championship game. Um, we actually bought our uh, fully refundable Southwest tickets as soon as the bracket came out. Uh, you know, obviously, fully expecting Michigan to beat TCU
3: and yeah.
1: and to just go ahead and cancel those tickets. Uh, but we would have been there regardless and they'll be down down as fans and I'll obviously you know have plenty of time to go and, and hang out with them too. I don't need to be in the press box the full time since I won't be able to file live reports anyway. So uh, you know'll go I'll go back and forth between where they're sitting and, and the press box. but it'll be a, it'll be a really good time, not just for work but to be able to enjoy it a little bit with them too.
3: Yeah, being able to go to the oh, national yeah. championship is pretty, pretty unbelievable. I mean, that's up there with me going to like a, the Super Bowl someday. That's uh, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, it'll be my second CFP championship. Oh, I what did, was the other? Uh, as, as a fan, it, when it was in Arlington, the, the first ah, time. Ah. Um, that Ohio State was playing Oregon.
3: Oh, yeah, that was nice. um, did not go well for Oregon. <laughs>
1: No, but I I say, so good story about that one. My grandfather, uh, who was the Rangers team doctor, uh, went to medical school at Ohio State. And, uh, you know, to have the first uh, championship in the playoff era happen with his school playing in his town was pretty incredible the way that worked out. And my um, cousin Blake is the founder of Tom Shoes. So he is a oh billionaire. Yeah. Okay? Wow. So he treated my grandfather, all of the aunts and uncles and all of the cousins to that game. We all sat wow. second second deck all, you know, he wasn't able to get everything together obviously at that point cuz you know tickets had been so, you know the general public tickets had been sold out for a long time. But he pieced together as many tickets as he could in the same section, and we rotated getting to sit with my grandfather. And at the fun, you know, funny thing was he obviously got to be in the stadium and got to be around his family. But by that point, he was pretty well 99% blind. So <laughs> we were basically rotating, sitting next to him to tell him what was happening on the field. Doing the and play-by-play. There you go. And so he made it pretty clear that I did the best job of that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, awesome. all I really took from all that is, my God, it sounds like a very, I couldn't be a Mikowski because it sounds like you people are all very successful. And uh, <laughs> my family is the opposite. Everyone's a fuck up. And uh, you know it's just like whatever. But my God, man,
1: doctor, shoe founder. You missed out on the best one yet, oh, though. Oh, please do. my. my my brother uh, lives in Atlanta um, and is the founder of Round Trip Brewing Company. Oh, my God.
2: Oh, I think I've seen you tweet about. Oh, my
1: God. I, I constantly brewery. promote I constantly promote his yeah. business. Par- okay. Partially, in large part, because I love him and want to see him do well and and want to brag on him as much as possible. But and also because I'm an investor and I want more people to go. <laughs> Where it is. Right. right, right. <laughs> it is.
3: And that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the only good thing anyone in my family ever did was give birth to me. So I, uh, (laughs) okay. Good on you. Good on your people.
2: Is round trip brewing, uh, available out here? Is it something, you know, we can plug for our, our fans?
1: Not yet. No, it's strictly available in Georgia. Uh, you know, as they continue to grow, obviously they hope to reach out of state distribution deals, but, uh, they've only been open for a couple of years. They Ooh. they opened, um, gosh, fall of twenty two, or excuse me, fall of twenty. Oh, so okay. uh, so yeah, they were opening things up uh, during pandemic times, which is really fun for a new business that needs to attract of people course. into its doors. Right. Yeah, and you know, early on, before they reached a distribution deal, they could only sell from out of the brewery. So yeah, right. they had they had to get people there. So uh, that was that was tons of fun in the early going.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I I was in South Carolina uh, before moving to Arlington, and you know, so I'm familiar with some beers out of Atlanta. But I left in the summer of. to come to texas so but this uh i'm looking at their website and the thai chili lime has my has piqued my interest the spice my
1: wife's favorite for sure
2: that sounds really good so uh yeah if you i mean
1: if you can hook us up some way we'll hey and (laughs) and whenever you're in atlanta you'll get the vip treatment don't worry about that okay
0: i've I've Uh, added that to my list of things to do if i'm ever in atlanta
2: I'll say it's a five point game uh, or no, hold on. I'll say it's a two point game and Chris gets to call a buzzer beater. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just like a it. bad, it's just a bad buzzer beater for, for us and our fans. Um, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> chris gives the call of his life and and they invite him to replace whoever is on the call for the national championship yes game the man week. who called
1: the re- I, you know if i got to call if i got to to do that and they'd move me over to replace chris fowler yeah do, do you think at that point because i would be his partner in the booth that herb street would unblock me on twitter <laughs>
2: herb Why did Her- okay it? we got to hear this story
1: yeah I really don't know, but uh, (laughs) it was probably it was probably something to where he was talking down about FCS football on game day one day, because Uh, I used to get I used to get really defensive about that when I was at the Southland. Because you were the, would you say, associate? I was associate commissioner in charge of broadcast and new media. Right. So yeah, so, yeah I, probably, of- I probably said something about you know you're at an FCS site. Can you please not treat them like they're second class citizens or something like that? And uh, <laughs> but that's I imagine that's why I got blocked. But from what I hear, he does a lot of blocking anytime that he hears anything he doesn't like. Really I'm gonna him right well, now. That, that would
2: make for some interesting banter between you and Herb
1: Street in the. In the booth, I'm <laughs> up during an on-camera segment. Pull out my phone. I was like, "All right, explain yourself." Oh, this son of a! Yeah, bitch. I mean,
0: as a former quarterback, he's probably a fan of a lot of blocking.
1: I went to I when I went to Army Navy in in 2019. I did make a, a sign for game day. Why'd you block me, Herbie? And uh I don't think they, I don't think they put that on.
0: God, <laughs> somehow blocks
3: the physical sign. you went to Ohio State like your grandfather. That's true. Maybe that's why he blocked you. <laughs> I mean, Ohio State's just garbage. I said what I had to say.
1: <laughs> they, put out, they put out fine doctors, though. They do. Yes, yeah, yeah, of, of course. Least, at least one. S- at least one.
3: <laughs> at least one. We and, can confirm that. And uh, a very great professor of mine, uh, Dr. Shlank, Spanish professor out there. Uh, oh, hell yeah. So uh, shout out to Shlankmeister. I don't know where you are now. I don't know if you're still at Tech or not. Uh, you were great. Thank you.
0: This is the part of the show where we shout out people we know that went to Ohio State.
3: <laughs> All two people I know.
0: Yeah. Well, even though you didn't go to Ohio State, Chris, it was great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for uh, sharing everything and and allowing us to do that interview and sharing your notes from the UTSA game. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug or keep us up to date with?
1: Well, I'd like to tell you that one of my wife's favorite items in her stocking was the December Go Tech Please Don't Die shirt of the month.
2: Okay, nice. Did, yeah. So, did your you, wife did your wife go to tech, or is she just you know sort of through osmosis of you calling our games a, a tech fan now?
1: Two time tech grad. Uh, nice. we, met, we met when I was working in Monroe at KTVE, and she was in grad school at Tech, and we both went to uh, First Baptist West Monroe. Her roommate was the worship uh, singer. So um, she came over to church because of her roommate, because she was singing. And, of course, you know, saw the cute girl across the room and uh, the rest is history.
2: Nice. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad that uh, that she likes the the shirt It was a nice stocking stuffer. And now, you know, Nathan, I guess we missed an opportunity to advertise it as such. But, um, you know, there's a there's a January shirt now. So really? people <laughs> can buy that.
3: <laughs> I'll just say again, it was great talking to you. Well,
2: yeah. And Chris, how can people follow you, follow along with your work? And, you know, um, obviously you're going to be calling tech games, but uh, what's your Twitter handle?
1: Mikoski. So uh, if you have a hard time with Polish last names, I'll spell that for you. M-Y-C-O-S-K-I-E. And uh, the link on my Twitter is to my uh, website, which includes a calendar of, all my future broadcasts so you can check those out if you know most of the time when tech is on espn plus you'll find me there when uh, by the time uh they scheduled out games this season i already had a couple of conflicts so i won't be there for all of them this season but uh i'd say 90 percent.
2: fantastic i have one more question for you that i forgot to ask earlier uh you mentioned before we went on air um, you know, obviously the new CUSA media deal, and I know we're, we've already wrapped this up and, and said our goodbyes and everything. Older when this was coming uh, up, yeah. So, so the new CUSA media deal is essentially everything will get broadcast on ESPN Plus. Right. So there's some midweek games that'll be on either CBS Sports Network or uh, one of the um, one of the uh, like ESPN two or ESPN. Um, what do you call those main linear linear there we go mm-hmm. you've used that word a lot i'm learning um <laughs> what does that mean for you um you know in terms of tech calling tech games or calling you know right well i guess rice is no longer in Cusa, but right yeah you know, what does that mean for you do you get to start calling baseball for tech too is that
1: something we can look forward to remains to be seen i guess but i've certainly made it known to dr wood and uh, the rest of his team that i would be interested in as many games as they can give me uh, you know, the fact that I, I do have a full-time job, uh, over here in the Dallas area. So, uh, they're very flexible right now about all of my freelance opportunities and allowing me to work remotely when those happen, but I may be pushing the limit a little bit if I'm going to Rustin for midweek baseball and softball games. Right. Uh, so we'll have to see about that going forward, but uh, it's, it's exciting. And the fact that all of the conference USA schools are going to ramp up their broadcast efforts because you know what most of them are doing right now for baseball and softball as far as cameras as far as graphics and as far as simulcasting the radio feed on on CUSA TV that's not allowed on ESPN Plus so they're going to have to to ramp things up and make things better uh and that's going to be i think great for for everybody starting with the the 23 24 school year but as far as the the volume of games that i end up doing uh i hope it's a lot uh that decision is not made by me though
2: yeah and um can i just can i just say hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) man watching baseball on on cusa tv is uh real rough sometimes with the uh single camera that looks like a webcam from 2007 (laughs) um yeah i mean i I think there were a few schools um you know and i hate to do this but southern miss i think had a pretty good broadcast uh so that's the only praise they'll ever get from from us on our show but okay i'll edit that part out please yeah the the multi-camera you know um Obviously the guy saying Pete Taylor Park Magic 17 times was a little annoying but <laughs> but then we got to make fun of it when we won the championship right. uh, on their field. So it, the only long-
1: baseball I've got to call at the Love Shack so far was the tournament. I did the first 2 days when Tech hosted and uh and then Tech also did one game ahead of that as basically a dress rehearsal. For the okay. tournament broadcast they didn't want the first espn plus show in there to be the first game of the tournament so we did uh one a few weeks prior and uh i got to, i basically got to pick my partner on that one so kyle roberts uh joined me on that broadcast which was awesome kyle and i have been friends for 20 years he's actually known my wife longer than he's known me so uh you know getting to call a game together for the first time was really special
2: that's awesome. Um, so the first two days, that would have not included the, the double comeback victories over Southern Bis, right?
1: That The main highlight of the first two days, if you want to call it that, was that the fourth game of the day on day one went until 3.30 a.m.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: So I was on that call. Oh, and no. then <laughs> I was scheduled... You know, originally I didn't see it to be any kind of an issue because, you know, the game was gonna wrap up around, you know, eleven or twelve. That's fine. And I can be back in the chair by eight A.M. for a nine AM first pitch the next day. But the fact that we ended at three thirty and then I had to be back in the chair for eight AM for game one of the following day. Yeah, I I've been better as far as my ability to call <laughs> games because yeah, going on complete sleep deprivation. So you I, actually I,
2: did that? They didn't they didn't yeah. move it around?
1: No, oh, they, wow. they, they we tried and I want to say um so Malcolm it was that that weekend it was a rotation between myself, Malcolm Butler, Kyle Yeomans, who does a lot of stuff for Conference USA and Lynn. And uh for whatever reason we couldn't make it work. I think would have what, what have had to happen would be Malcolm moving into that early slot, and that was the only formula that would have worked to f- make it handle the rest of the, the rest of the, the, the day. So um, Malcolm had, I want to say, an interview on the selection committee for an, uh, one of the coaches, and I don't remember who it would have, it would have oh. been. Oh, maybe softball. Yeah, uh, if that timing's correct, that could be. Um, one.
2: He maybe was announced. I I was just looking at for the post I wrote the other day. I was looking at when we hired him, and it was it was like mid May, I think, maybe late May. So yeah. Or, yeah, it would have been late May he was announced. I think.
1: So regardless, he had something he couldn't skip. So no matter how hard I begged, <laughs> I had to get up and turn around from doing the game oh, that ended at three thirty and doing the nine a.m. first pitch the next day.
2: Wow that's brutal. Yeah,
1: I did. did. And I I really hope that we have more baseball to call there. I, you know, love coach Burroughs. You know, he and I got to know each other back when he was at Northwestern state and I was at the Southland. So, uh, you know, that's the case with, with him and uh, with coach store, you know, the, the fact that we both, we have histories together back in in those days too, has made it special to, uh, to work together at tech again.
2: Yeah. Well, that's awesome i mean we obviously hope that that you get the opportunity to call more tech baseball um and we're i guess not this season but um we're very excited uh, about the general direction of tech baseball um and you know you've got dallas baptist coming into conference usa as well so um maybe you won't have to drive so far for for some of those baseball games
1: yeah. DBU, their facility is, is incredible. I've been there several times. So yeah, I'll, if nothing else um, I'll be there, you know, considering that I won't be calling any CUSA baseball this season more than likely until the tournament um, I hope. But uh, I, I think at that point in the year, it I'd be okay to still be a fan. Uh, so I'll be in the, in the stands with hopefully my wife and son cheering on the Bulldogs when they come to Dallas. Nice.
2: Yeah. We're, uh, Nathan and I are planning to go too, at least to some yeah. of the, some of the games. So there we go. We'll finally have the meetup.
0: Yeah. Right. Give All away right. some well, stickers, that's the normal thing we do when we meet people.
2: <laughs> yeah. We'll give you, we'll give you stickers and, uh, and admire, uh, shirts. So, um, <laughs> anyway, well, we can actually let you go now. Cause you've been talking to us for an hour and a half on air. So,
1: <laughs> man, I'm happy to do it. I'm glad we finally made it work. I know you guys had to, uh, you were cryptic about it. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate you not throwing me under the bus. Yeah, that was the really, And throw throw encore under the bus yeah, I I think gonna more than anything that's, else. That's, that's but um, no, we had worry. we had a power outage uh, here, and then we had an internet outage that lasted probably ten more hours after the power went out. Uh, so blame combination of encore and spectrum for the fact that you guys had to put together that show at the last minute a couple of weeks ago. But uh, yeah, glad that we could finally make it happen.
2: Yeah, our secret is that we put together all shows, basically, at the last minute. So it wasn't, it wasn't that big of an <laughs> inconvenience. Don't worry about it. Um, but, yeah, thanks thanks so much, Chris, for coming on. And uh, we look forward to your call on – Is this is a Thursday night game?
1: Thursday night, uh, Thursday live from night? Houston, Texas, yeah, on ESPN+. Plus. And then I think I'll be back in Ruston uh, near the end of the month for a game against Middle Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Awesome. Well, we look forward to both of those and
1: to, uh, have, you on. And to... have
2: to have
3: you on again sometime for sure. Yeah.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks.